0: Are we all doomed, or am I being dramatic?
1: Answer me this, answer me this. Why is there a portrait of me in the attic? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen
0: and Ollie, answer me this.
1: I want to start this episode, Helen, by reflecting on a listener who's going through some pretty tough times.
0: That's a lot of them, judging by Mm. the questions. I mean, how does my toaster work? That's a tough time. (laughs) We all suffer along with that listener.
1: Uh, Callum. Uh, He says I'm 27 years old and myself and my girlfriend of nearly three years have split up Uh, Long distance strains proved to be too much
0: I'm sorry Callum, so off in the way
1: Yeah but that doesn't mean you shouldn't give it a go in my view Um,
0: Love can build a bridge (laughs) He
1: says we both fucking love Lego
0: And it came between you? Uh, It was the third in our relationship.
1: (laughs) It was a war. Do you think Callum and his ex ever built a Lego bed and had sex on it?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Then afterwards, their bodies were pockmarked. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a really horrible idea. I can't believe you thought of that, Ollie.
1: A few months back, Callum continues, I bought her a really, really cool limited edition Lego set for her upcoming birthday in September. Nice one. So Helen, answer me this. Would it be a dick move for me to keep the Lego set that I originally bought for her and build it myself because I really want it?
0: No, I think that's fine. I think it might be a bit weird to give her a really good birthday present this birthday. I think it's probably too soon.
1: Yeah, not just weird, it'd be wrong, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think you've got to play it down.
0: I think for her as well, receiving a gift from you at this time, she'd be like, well, I can't really use this Lego with pleasure because the breakup is still a bit too recent even if it's amicable
1: Yeah, you can be Lego bodies again in the future
0: yes such a good point but I think why not Callum it's essentially something you bought therefore you own it
1: although the fact that he's asking the question Mm -hmm. does mean that he has associated this product with his ex
0: would it be feasible to earmark a similarly cool limited edition Lego set but not this one and exchange it for that?
1: actually sell the one you've bought or see if someone's up for a sort of free cycle type arrangement
0: either either a swap or a sale exchange yeah although it sounds like he bought it quite a while ago so maybe he can't but yeah see if you can get something special but different that does not have that association
1: i think as much as anything what's interesting about this as well Callum, is that you bought your ex-girlfriend something that you wanted
0: Mm. Um, because then they he could have had a go at building it
1: yeah and i did and i identify with that because i Myself very nearly Do that quite a lot I try and restrain it Like if I If I genuinely As as in this case Callum It seems like you can honestly say Your girlfriend wanted it Just as much If I genuinely can say Yes my girlfriend wants this Just as much as I do Then I will buy it But
0: Of course my girlfriend Wants this men's suit For a man who's six foot three (laughs) Well
1: So just very recently It was her birthday um, and I thought kitchen appliance would be about right.
0: Now that you've got a kid together, <laughs> yeah, no more sexy presents.
1: Well, I'd already got her a sexy-ish present. I bought, we bought each other designer sunglasses on holiday. Oh, that's nice. So I'd already spent like hundred quid. Mm-hmm. But I thought I have to give her something on the day six weeks later. You do, you do. So I set a budget of under hundred quid, but probably on the right side of fifty. Mm-hmm. Kitchen appliance seemed about right. I knew that she always wanted um, a NutriBullet. Yes But I don't understand Nutribullet Because basically it's a smoothie maker That costs three times as much as a smoothie maker So it's a blender Yeah So I was resistant to the Mm Nutribullet And then I came here to AMT Towers And I experienced your (laughs) SodaStream I want a SodaStream Always fucking have since I was seven years old
0: I'm amazed you don't have one actually Because you love gadgets You love fizzy things
1: Homemade fizzy drinks Very exciting
0: Right So you got her a SodaStream No
1: I got her a Nutribullet I bit the Nutribullet and I bought her a nutrient bullet But I so desperately wanted to say this stream. But the reason I didn't is I thought, this is for me, really, and she'll know that. And then it's not such a good present.
0: Well, that's good of you as as boyfriend activity goes. Yeah. Did she like it? Loved it. Okay.
1: Every day has been prefixed by some sort of Liquid. plum and kale vile substance. <laughs> Here's a question from Jesse from Reading who says, You know those baby-born type dolls that defecate and urinate after you feed them? Helen, answer me this. When did the first of those toys appear? 1933. And whose was the bright idea that came up with it? F and B. Is that a name?
0: Yeah, I think because the initials... F and B? Yeah, it's spelt F and B.
1: Are like Pharaoh and Ball.
0: They just used the phonetic spelling of F and B because the people who ran the company's initials were F and B. Right. But they spelt it E-double-F-A-N-B-double-E. How cute
1: and weird. Yeah. Okay. Um... And surely parents were a bit freaked out when the toy was released.
0: Why would they have been freaked out? Because the parents were the ones who had the buying power. If parents were going to be freaked out by it, these things wouldn't have worked. And they were such a massive success that within a year, there were loads and loads of imitators of the F&B original, the DiDi doll, which came in five sizes and peed out of a hole in its buttock.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that even in the 1930s that wasn't anatomically correct
0: I think at the time the babies had no genitals because they did not have genitals in the 1930s Because of so of
1: <laughs> It
0: was so successful though that the Didi became the standard name for these dolls even if they weren't F&B But the super popular version that came out in 1934 and ruled this market was the Betsy Wetsy And awful isn't it So F&B launched a patent infringement lawsuit But the judge ruled that you cannot patent Drinking and urinating
1: (laughs) (laughs) But actually that hints At my question on all of this Okay. Because If it's so valuable to have toys that piss and shit themselves Why is it still 70, 80, 90 years on From that invention Why is it still the case That it's only baby dolls that do that And your teddy bear doesn't crap
0: Oh, you can get um, a pissing Elmo. But, but it doesn't really? really piss, though. It's potty time Elmo.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, well, okay. That's but a potty he, training device. But
0: he, I think he doesn't get wet because the fur would get soiled. But, like, right. all of these babies have mm. to be wipe clean. A, a lot of them, they made a feature of the fact that they come with baby wipes and you can bath them. Um, whereas the furry ones, I think their fur would get matted and disgusting. I guess. What a lot of them have now are sensors, so they don't make actual mess, because a lot of these toys do misfire and they leak everywhere. The poo, I think you feed them a a powder that you've uh, added water to, Mm. and... If things go wrong, or you don't get it out of the doll quickly enough, then it just solidifies in the doll. Oh, um, your
2: doll's got impacted feces. Yeah, and uh, I was <laughs> reading,
0: reading some Amazon reviews that were saying the doll was vomiting out the poo, <laughs> and it was just like this Bride of Chucky moment, um, and, uh, and or it would just like squirt this kind of yellowy brown liquid all over everybody's faces. So the pooing ones sound really bad. After the popularity of all the Didy dolls, they added features, so um, they got different types of hair. You could get like enameled hair painted on, or a lambswool wig. Uh, You could get rubber ears that you could clean with a Q-tip. You could get nostrils. And you could get tear ducts so that they cried. But the tear ducts look like someone's just jammed a skewer into the bridge of the baby's nose, not even near the eyes. So just like someone's stabbed the baby's face.
1: I think it's supposed to teach kind of care and compassion for someone else. I think that's the idea.
0: I think that's the idea of dolls generally.
1: I still find it quite odd. I always did find it odd, particularly the ones that you're and and shit. Because you think... I get it. Like, I get it. A, t- a teddy bear that learns your name. A teddy bear that says, I want cuddles. I yes. get that. teddy bear that says, I need to go for a poo. It's like, there's enough of that in the world.
0: I know, exactly. It's not escapist, is it? No, it's as exactly. it's, it's much of a drag as real life.
2: I've got the question.
1: Then email your question Do answer me, this podcast, at
2: googlemail.com. Answer me, this podcast, at googlemail.com. Answer me, this podcast, at googlemail.com. Answer me, this podcast, at googlemail.com.
1: Here's a question from Andrew in Newcastle about weddings, specifically wedding etiquette uh he says to add to your growing library of thoughts on the matter of wedding etiquette we have done quite a lot of it
0: there's so many weddings there
2: are mm, so much etiquette
1: uh he says this year i am due to attend a friend's wedding yay aren't we all it's good that he's happy about it
0: Yes, that's often not the gist we get from questions <laughs> attending friends' weddings.
1: I have learned, says Andrew, that for their wedding favours, they will be providing each guest with a National Lottery Scratch Card.
0: Oh, brilliant! <laughs> I love <laughs> scratch oh, cards! That'd be
1: awesome. And then he says in brackets, unscratched.
0: That's Use. even better.
1: <laughs> Just wow, as well. what a bonus. Uh, which led me to wonder, Helen, asked me this, what would be good etiquette if and hopefully when... I win. <laughs> uh, it's
0: good to plan for this, Andrew. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Andrew says, I was thinking if I won a grand, I should probably offer to buy everyone drinks.
0: That would take yeah. care of it straight away in most weddings. Uh,
1: do, you, do you know in other European countries, by the way, the idea of a pay bar at a wedding is just a completely bizarre concept? I agree. Uh, But it's just—it's because Brits drink so much That people just acknowledge Oh my family's coming We can't afford to to pay for the drink (laughs) Then don't invite them But every other country They're like It's a wedding The drinks should be free I I do agree with that Andrew continues If I won a lot more than a grand Say £50,000 To £100,000 Well mm.
0: Good luck Yeah (laughs) It's not really to do with luck is it
1: i wish sometimes on daytime tv instead of saying it with a big smile they had that skepticism when they said good luck good luck good luck dream on andy peters is here with details of a car you definitely won't fucking win
0: (laughs) andy peters himself is the prize
1: (laughs) he so is um if he won 100 grand continues andrew should i offer to pay for the wedding or honeymoon
0: no it'll cost probably more than what you're gonna win
1: yeah yeah yeah, if you won fiver, it's not really an issue, is it?
0: I think if you won 50 grand, it would be a nice gesture to give the couple something, wouldn't it?
1: Well, this is it. So he, he concludes with this question. Is there a minimum amount I can just keep without seeming heartless? Um,
0: I'm trying to think of how I would have felt if we'd done this at our wedding, which I kind of wish we had, and someone had <laughs> won. I don't think I would expect them to give me money. But then if they'd taken us out to dinner, we would have thought, that's nice.
2: If someone won 50 grand at your wedding, I mean, maybe not me personally, but like... To to pay a big chunk towards their honeymoon would be quite a nice gesture, wouldn't it? That's
1: true. But think about this, not from the point of view of the bride and groom or Andrew winning 50 grand. mm -hmm. Just think about this from the point of view of you, Helen and Martin, are at a wedding. Mm. Andrew wins 50 grand. Yeah. Yeah. So you're at a wedding, you don't know the bride and groom that well, you're just there as friends. At the back of the room, a man stands up screaming with joy, oh my God, I've won 50 grand. Then you'd think... Oh, that's brilliant. Like a, yeah. when you see a raffle. Yeah, it's exciting. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Grand. It's exciting. I, I, if I were you, in this scenario that I've imagined keeping myself out of it, it's I don't know why, um, <laughs> I would be thinking, good on him. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It might be quite nice if he buys us a drink. Yeah, definitely. It wouldn't occur to me, As a, oh, he's one fifty grand, he needs to buy the bride a honeymoon. Oh, no. So oh, no, no, therefore, no. just because Andrew's worried about it, that seems to me to be anxiety. Everyone else in the room will be thinking, well, the bride and groom decided to leave a scratch card on your table. You've won. Good luck to you.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. But I suppose Andrew, to even be thinking about this, is quite a generous chap. So I think maybe give them 10% of whatever you win above 200 quid. Giving them a tenner out of 100 quid is sort of rubbish. I think if you won £1,000, spend the 100 quid... On giving them a nice meal for their honeymoon or something like that, an experience, because the amount they spent on the wedding and the scratch cards alone—well, the scratch cards—they've they've
2: probably spent at least two hundred and fifty quid on the scratch depends cards. Depends how many they? people
0: are there. If they've got ten people at their wedding, then that's a manageable expense. But then, if you won fifty grand, I think giving them five grand would be a lovely gesture and leave you with forty-five grand, which is a very good get out of a wedding scratch card.
1: Agreed. Andrew concludes that it would all be a lot easier if they'd just given little pots of chutney and some love hearts. Yeah,
0: but that would have been crap. You the, don't know how lucky you are, Andrew. So
1: do think the scratch cards idea is a good one?
0: I think it's a fun one. It depends yeah. whether they, there are a lot of people at your wedding who would disapprove of gambling. Recovering <laughs> yeah, either that or they have a strong religious objection. Like mm. at a Muslim wedding, I think this would be a bad idea, wouldn't it?
1: <laughs> Probably yes.
0: I think it's funny. I think it's deconstructing the idea of the wedding favour in a fun way.
1: But also, actually, when you're pissed, it's exciting even to win a tenner, isn't it? It's it, great
0: because then you can invest it in more scratch cards. Uh,
1: you can you can imagine if they made a feature of it. Everyone your scratch cards yes. now. A few people like bingo in a room of let's say there's a hundred guests. Three people are going to go, oh, I've won a tenner. That would be quite fun. And then if someone wins ten grand, that's the story, isn't it?
0: I think it's Andrew himself that is gripped by the feeling that he can't keep it all for himself. I think it would be fine to do that. I don't think you're that obligated to buy everyone in the room something.
1: I think I'd probably only enjoy a scratch card in that kind of communal way. Um, The idea of people who sort of buy them, you know, with a magazine Mm. and then... then, Well, actually, as I'm saying this, I was just about to say, don't do that. (laughs) I went with my friends, Ben and Nikki and our children, uh, to, children. Go and, yeah, now. Now. Uh, to go and yeah, uh, I can say that now. To go and look at bluebells in the spring That's around lovely. St Albans. Yeah, it was a very wholesome day, Aww. and I, I brought gambling addiction into it oh, because of
0: course you had to ruin that idyllic day. Uh,
1: after an hour or so of looking at bloody flowers, we went to the pub, <laughs> and I went across the road and I said I'll buy some ice creams. Mm-hmm. I'd had a few drinks, and I just felt the joie de vivre. I was yeah. I was paying for the magnums. You
0: were feeling lucky.
1: I had three quid in change, and I was like ah. Give me three scratch cards Oh nice uh, I've, I haven't done it For ten years But then I took the scratch But it was communal Because we all did it yeah. together I think For me it's got to be About the doing it together Doing it yeah. alone feels wrong I'll tell you what feels Really wrong uh-huh. Digital scratch cards What? Yeah. That you can go on The National Lottery website now, nah. Play a digital scratch That's card That's rubbish Aww. Yeah You
0: need to do it With a coin Or with your key Exactly Or even your thumbnail yeah. Martin and I do them together As well on the Twice a year that we buy one. Do you? Is it
1: yeah, a spontaneous it decision, a or, or do you have it marked in the calendar? <laughs> it's scratch card day, dear.
0: Christmas and birthday. <laughs> Martin used to buy them when he felt the world owed us something because he was having a really crappy time. Mm. But yeah, mm. I think if he'd done them on his own, then it would have seemed a little sadder. However, I'm sure there was one time where he came home and said, "I've got you a present," and it was a scratch <laughs> card he had done. Oh, he'd not won anything. He'd, he was essentially giving me something that he was too lazy to throw away himself.
2: Mm. Oh yeah, that wasn't really a present.
0: No, it wasn't a present. I'm glad you realised that now. Yeah. Well, now it is time for us to take an intermission. Yes,
1: I've been desperate for a piss.
0: And you're desperate to hear this part of episode 186 from back in 2011.
2: was in black and white then.
0: And this seems to be quite a popular part of Answer Me This in the memories of our listeners.
1: But you can buy all of our first 200 episodes on our website. Answer Answer me me this this store store dot com. com.
0: I need your help, guys! Okay. On the 13th of September, one of my best friends, Verity, and I, are going to see Owl City play at the HMV Institute in Birmingham, and I have to say, we are so excited! Being as we are massive fans of Adam Young, I assume he's a resident of the Owl City, or maybe it's mayor. (laughs) (laughs) How do we push our way to the front? We don't want to cause arguments, but we really want to be as close as possible. As well as this, we have a little owl and two letters to throw onto the stage. (laughs) I am an A student in PE, so I can throw well, but I I don't want to hit anyone. Uh, What's this owl made of? Logs? Uh, So can you give me tips on getting the gifts on the stage? You wouldn't throw, would you, Ollie? That would put your shoulder out.
1: (laughs) If the crowd's on your side, Rachel, you could just pass the letter... Up from row to oh, row
0: I think that's very risky Ollie Because Presumably Anyone who's in front of her Is going to like Owl City Even more than Rachel does <laughs> Which as we know Is a very 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 lot Yeah And so they're going to be Working against her Because they don't want To be denied the handed marriage of Adam Owl. <laughs> they're going to rip that letter to shreds. I
1: think it's all about being a little bit savvy. I know. I know you've been a bit savvy by writing to us to try and work out your master plan. Well done for thinking ahead.
0: We'll have a word with Adam from Owl City. <laughs> <laughs> hoot. hoot. That's...
1: I think we should take a question from our question line, Helen.
0: It comes to us all, Lottie. But if you want to leave a question on our question line, then you need to dial the following number. <laughs>
1: Or you can Skype, answer me this.
2: Hi, hello, Molly. It's Beth.
1: And Liam.
0: From Sheffield. And we'd like to know how many people called Oscar have won an Oscar?
1: One. Is it Oscar what? Isaac? It's not. Who's oh, Oscar Isaac?
2: Uh, he's my perfect man. He's Lewin Davis inside Lewin Davis and Poe Dameron in Star Wars?
0: And Standard in the film Drive. Did right. ring any bells yet? No,
1: never heard of him. You didn't see the Star Wars? I haven't seen. Of course, I didn't see Star Wars, Helen.
0: I thought it was the kind of thing you would have got drunk and gone to see.
1: No, I absolutely made a stand this time round.
0: Okay.
2: You're an idiot. It was by far the Star it was Wars really good, movie. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I, I like J.J. I like Abrams as well, and I like the Star Trek reboot. It's, just, it's a fun movie. It doesn't matter. I've spent too many hours of my life watching Star Wars that I was just not prepared to do anymore, even if it was good.
0: Well, no wow. Oscar Isaac for you. So, then. wait, you
2: sat through the really shit ones, so in order to you can make a stand on this one? Yeah. Anyway, mm.
1: uh, the one person who has won an Oscar Who is called Oscar is Hammerstein II ah. Or as they probably call him in Hollywood Oscar Hammerstein II Bigger and better Was <laughs> it
2: for, um, what was it called, uh, West Side Story?
1: It wasn't uh, it was, He's actually won twice uh, Best original song, both times obviously, songwriter mm-hmm. uh, He won in 1941 For The Last Time I Saw Paris From the film Lady Be Good
2: uh, I've heard of the film, I think. Yeah. I don't know that song. No,
1: I think "Ebenezer Good" was one of the songs, it? <laughs> but I've never heard that
0: one. And "Johnny Be Good" yeah. was the rousing finale. That's like, yeah. What an
2: amazing family!
1: And then in 1945, again, best original song for "It Might as Well Be Spring" from State Fair jeez isn't it weird like you know less than 100 years later the Oscar Hammerstein songs we can name are not the ones he won Oscars for but
2: Scorsese won an Oscar didn't he eventually but not for a film something a bit rubbish yeah yeah, not uh, even
1: Shutter Island Bring out, Bring Out Your Dead or whatever it's called no it wasn't as bad as that what was Scorsese's Oscar for wasn't Casino should have won for Casino oh no hold on it was 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 The Departed yeah yeah Bring bring Out Your Dead the ambulance
2: thing yeah. It wasn't, it was The Departed. Oh, is that not, not the ambulance movie? No, it's a thing with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, that stupid thing where everyone's audience. a f- uh, fucking spy. That. Yeah. It's fine, it's good. Oh, it's, it's a
1: crap, everyone's working for... Uh, it's not it's, crap. A men,
0: it's a men running around it's a,
1: film. It's a four-star New York gangster film. It's but really it not, it's three up. and a half stars. I anyway,
0: thought it was set in Boston.
1: It could be Boston, fine. East it's, Coast. It's
0: a four-star city film. Anyway, it's,
1: <laughs> it's not even in Scorsese's... 10 best but i sort of think it's probably always been the case if you look at the musical winners of the oscars now uh, all the Mm. big names in popular music have won oscars but not for the not really for the songs that anyone can remember them doing Mm. oh we can nominate bruce springsteen for an oscar let's do that or, Even if, you know, it's not going to be a particularly memorable number.
0: Oh, we can get Adele along yes. for a song she wrote in 10 minutes by her own admissions. <laughs> Although it was great when Brett from Flight of the Concords won an Oscar. Yeah, for the Muppets. Yeah. That was fun. That, so I remember that, and I remember 3 Six Mafia winning with uh, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. I can't remember how the song actually Harder goes
1: than you think. So I have to
0: sing it like it's a show tune.
1: <laughs> there have been four other people called Oscar who have been nominated for Oscars Oscar Isaac. Um, Oscar Isaac is not on the list.
0: Oh, bad luck, Martin.
1: Uh, Brodney, uh for writing the Glenn Miller story in 1954. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great thing about that title is I haven't seen the film, but I know what it was about. All these years <laughs> later, the marketing still working.
2: Ken Beazy, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Although, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Is not about Virginia Woolf, so don't trust anything.
1: It's a clever mm-hmm. title, though, that makes you know makes the observant reader think. Oh, I wonder if that is about Virginia Woolf. You're questioning it. You think it might have something to do with Virginia Woolf. And fear. It's not called The Virginia Woolf Story, then it would be weird if it wasn't about (laughs) Virginia Woolf. He's afraid of Glenn Miller. That would be a good movie. Uh, Oscar Homolka was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for playing Uncle Chris in I Remember Mama in 1948. Uh, Oscar Lagerstrom, uh, the sound director of Raffles, was nominated in 1929. Uh, And the final Oscar uh, to be nominated but not win was Millard for writing The Frogmen in
0: 1951 so the oscars success at the oscars was very much a early part of 20th century and in the last 50 60 years oscars have not made much of a mark at the oscars
1: correct anyway your question beth and liam got me thinking can i broaden this out has anyone called tony ever won a tony
0: oh i bet they have
1: they have
2: i'm not quite sure what tony is that's the theater award right
0: yeah they've just had them
1: I thought possibly Anthony Hopkins,
0: but Mm. I couldn't
1: be bothered to Google how many Antonys had won.
0: Yeah, I I think that's okay.
1: Although, well, it's not really okay, because actually the Tonys is rather like Oscar. Oscar is the slang name, and they're actually called the Academy Awards of Motion Pictures, Arts and Sciences. Uh, The Tonys are actually the Antoinette Perry Awards for Excellence in Theatre.
0: I wonder how many Antoinettes have won one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. So I should have looked into that too, but again, couldn't be asked, because everyone calls them Tonys. Just Tonys. So, right.
0: Three. uh, 1973.
1: Tony Walton for Scenic Design on Pippin.
0: Great. Uh, he won again mm.
1: in 1986 for The House of Blue Leaves. Go Walton. Uh, and again <laughs> Walton was very prolific. He's
0: overrepresenting the Tonys at yeah, the Yeah, he's, he's uh, skewing the data.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. For scenic design on Guys and Dolls. The second Tony to win a Tony mm-hmm. uh, is uh, Tony Strages, but here's a weird thing. Also for scenic design. What's in the water, Tony's? (laughs) Why are all the Tony's doing scenic design? They've got a calling. Uh, Tony Strage's scenic design for Sunday in the Park with George, 1984. Uh, And then the final Tony was a playwright. The play was Angels in America. And the author was Kushner. Tony Kushner. Uh, yeah. But what yeah. I didn't know is he won in 1993 and 1994 because apparently there are two Angels in America plays. Really? Yeah, you wouldn't think it was the sort of thing like Lord of the Rings, would you, to be split across two parts, that's, but apparently it was.
0: That's a good wheeze, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> do you think that there's something to do with naming trends there? Like maybe Oscar was not a popular name for a part of the 20th century, which meant mm. there weren't enough Oscars coming up to be nominated for Oscars. And maybe Tony was a very popular name for people who were... At their career peak in the 70s and 80s and early 90s.
1: And working in scenic design specifically.
2: (laughs) How many people who are grandmothers have won Grammys? And how many people called
1: Emma have won Emmys?
0: How many Brits did Britney Spears win?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I did look in to see whether Laurence Olivier had ever won an Olivier. But
0: they're named after him, so that doesn't really count.
1: Uh, Well, no, but it could have been possible because it turned out, because they weren't originally called the Olivier Awards, they were called, you know, the Something Awards for Theatrical Arts. Mm -hmm. They they named it in tribute to him, so I thought, well, obviously, when he popped his clogs. No. They'd been called the Olivier Award since 1984. He didn't die till 1989.
0: Yeah, but was he working in the 80s So this is it. Well, stage. I thought, well,
1: is there a chance that maybe he got an honorary award mm. at the Olivier's?
2: He didn't get a lifetime achievement award at the Olivier's. They really, He really wasn't trying, right? But that would
1: be, <laughs> I just think that would be amazing if it happened because there he would be on stage clutching an award which With his is his on. own face. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, it never happened. He'd, he'd won plenty of the predecessors to the Olivier's and that's why they named them after him. If you could win any mm. of the big awards. Oh, um, which would you like to put on your mantelpiece? It's got to be the Oscar, hasn't it?
0: No, I think the Emmys are really pretty.
1: And that's your that's how you judge it.
0: Yeah. Look how nice it is someone holding a a little astrolabe a lot of awards are a boring lump of perspex i'd like to win one that is a statuette
1: yeah me but not of a golfer (laughs) (laughs) i don't think you're very likely to win i'm
0: really good at mini golf golf. you're good at mini golf
1: Uh, we had a friend who um represented one of the writers of the thick of it who then got oscar nominated for in the loop yes and when she used to talk about going to the oscars i did get but that is a glamorous anecdote isn't it a glam-ic-dote. It's a glamic dote. You'd never think that's ever going to happen to me.
0: Yeah, but it's a glamic dote to have been there. But then what they say is like, well, it's really hot and sweaty and there's no food... And uh, everyone is just outside smoking, and yeah. there's a seat filler in their seat, and it's seven hours long.
1: Yeah, the seat filler thing is the thing that everyone tells you, isn't it? What's a, What's a seat filler? It's, when Angelina Jolie goes for a shit, someone comes in and sits in her seat. But I mean, you know. And
0: then when she comes back, they have to go and shit.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> a, I don't understand. What, so that if there's like a long shot, it looks like she's still there. Yeah. So,
0: so that the auditorium doesn't look half empty. Yeah.
2: Right, which is, which is a,
1: it's an interesting tidbit, isn't it? But it's not the thing that everyone if I went to the it, no. Oscars, I'd tell everyone. But if
2: you're Angelina Jolie, you would go for a really long shit, wouldn't you? Because it's going to be a lot of technical it's stuff. It's
0: the only time she gets a loan from her kids. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, but the former Prime Minister, Tony Blair, has written a book. It's about Gordon's temper, being pals with George Bush and the untimely death of Rob. Income.
0: i'll go to answer me this podcast.com slash audible and download it for free and listen to him reading it while i lie in bed pretending to be sheree yuck i love those jingles we wrote in 2010
1: they're the best thing about this show now
0: they're haunting they're
1: haunting <laughs> But the quality of the products available at Audible, more than 150000 to choose from, that hasn't decreased over time.
0: Increased, in fact, because there are more books for you to choose from than ever.
1: That's right. And by getting your free audiobook, friends, you are supporting this show for every person. I want to be clear about this. It's not (laughs) just like it sort of feeds into the Amazon metrics and they're like, oh yeah, answer me, this is a popular show. No, literally for every person who clicks through and gets their free trial, we get more money. That's how it works. They pay us per person.
0: And you get... A free audio book. You get a
1: free audio book.
0: That is yours to keep, and even if you cancel your trial.
1: And wherever you are in the world. So you can go to our website, click the link, and it'll take you to your local Audible site.
0: Yes. So head on over to answermethispodcast.com slash Audible. Audible.
1: yippee Io, it's a question from Stuart, who says, I was listening to the song, Who Let the Dogs Out by the Baja Men? Who, who, who? (laughs) Uh, Helen, answer me this. Who did let the dogs out? And why?
2: I think it's a bystander. I think the Baja men travelled together to the shops in their SUV, left the dogs in the car, and someone came past and thought they look really thirsty and they, oh. they jimmied the door open so they could get some fresh air and not, not die in the car.
0: That is not reflected by the lyrics. Oh,
2: well, do the, what are the lyrics about?
0: The lyrics describe a party at which the men have started catcalling the women and then there
1: is the cat-calling like Catcalling? To mm. mix animal metaphors. I
0: couldn't think of another word because my brain was like, animals, pets, pet words. <laughs> Um, and then there is the line I heard a poor man shout out who let the dogs out and then there is the chorus so it's really a rhetorical question so you could interpret it as being an insulting reference to women implying Mm -hmm. they're unattractive or it could be the men being the dogs with their rampant behaviour
1: well I always imagined you know when there's the bit in the bridge where they sing A doggy is nothing If he don't have a bone oh, That bit Suggestive isn't it uh, Yeah exactly I always assumed that meant Baha man boner mm-hmm. Therefore the Baha men themselves Are the dogs They're describing themselves but Who no. let them as the rampant dogs out Who want to have doggy sex
0: I don't think it is about them But either way we're talking about humans being the dogs. Yes, it's an and analogy. And they are self-determining yes. and they let themselves out. And I think it is the men because the songwriter, Slem Douglas, wrote it as a riposte to women being called bikes in popular culture at the time.
2: Isn't the dog the not just a man but the animalistic id? Who let the uh, sexually charged animalistic part of these people's nature out?
0: But it is a cover. It's not from the Baja men's own brains. And do you know who did it first that gave the bar men's manager the idea
1: uh, was it Cat Stevens no <laughs> it
0: was Jonathan King
1: the sex pest DJ
0: yeah I mean the convicted child molester I, it doesn't Jonathan I mean King. actually
1: on the one hand I'm astonished because he's British he's white he's middle aged yeah. and he's completely from a different era let's just leave aside the sex thing Um, but another way I'm not because he had his finger in a lot of oh God you can't say anything can you no. <laughs> but he did have his finger in a lot of pies uh, musically um, well
0: this was under his uh, his band name Fat Jack with two K's and his pack of pets. Right. Uh, I don't think he didn't I... write
1: it though, you just said who the song was. No, he was. didn't but so th- why did Jonathan King sing it?
0: Right. They heard it as a catchy thing. So it's quite complicated actually, the genesis of who let the dogs out, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. So
1: I think ironically Jonathan King brought Genesis together.
0: Oh jeez. Um the origin of it is in the chorus, which was an advertising jingle um on WBLK ninety-three point seven FM Buffalo, the oldest urban FM station in America. Two men were working there writing these jingles, Patrick Stevenson and Leroy Williams, and apparently Leroy Williams kept using the phrase who let the dogs out, which was slang he'd picked up in Miami in the bass and hardcore rap scene of the time. And what did it mean? "Randy men. So they put it into a jingle, and then one of the host brother-in-laws, Anselm Douglas, heard it, asked if he could incorporate it into a song, and then he wrote the verses as his song Doggy. But then there was a lawsuit because... uh, stevenson and williams never got any royalties or ever, ever a songwriting credit they then read the chorus. there was
1: a lawsuit presumably yeah. it was a massive international hit and then there was a lawsuit no one wanted uh... a bit of a song covered by jonathan king i'm guessing yeah well even yeah because
0: i think it was a hit in the year 2000 and the lawsuit was uh in 2001 thank you the lawsuit was in favor of the jingle writers uh, and then the baja men's manager heard jonathan king's version of it and said it was the most horrible record I'd ever heard, but I couldn't get the hook out of my mind. It
1: is one of those, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and then the Baja Men said, we don't want to cover that. But then he persuaded them. It was on their sixth album. They've been together since the 70s under different guises and slightly different lineups. But I think it's kind of better, isn't it, to be a sort of one-hit wonder band, because at least everyone remembers.
1: I think it's a fun hit.
0: Yeah, it's like Chesney Hawks or Lou Baker, isn't it? It's that category of hit.
1: Well, I think if you associate your one-hit wonder with Summer, Yes. Then you've got a greater chance that in the future people will think fondly of you.
0: Hi, this is Elaine in Bristol. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. What is the link between theatres and Italian restaurants? I've worked in about 10 theatres over the years, and every single one of them had an Italian restaurant within 20 metres of stage door. Is it a mafia thing? In
1: Britain, actually, um, no. I, I haven't ever heard of a. Uh, Italian mafia control, controlling the West End's <laughs> Theatreland restaurants. It would
0: explain a lot about Spaghetti House, though, um, because that's not there for the food.
1: Well, I agree with you. That and cafe pasta. God, Ca- does that
0: still exist? In a blind
1: taste test, would you know the difference between Spaghetti House, cafe pasta and Garfunkel's?
0: Or hospital food. <laughs>
1: um, there are a few things that I'd consider in this equation, though. Firstly, um, I think it's worth remembering that Italian food, almost more than any other foreign food, has an enormous markup. Flour is cheap. Exactly. I mean, if you're ordering the Dover Soul, fair enough, that's expensive at market price. Uh, Most people are ordering pasta and pizza and garlic bread. costs about 50p to make your meal. You're paying 25 quid. So that does mean that if you're paying expensive West End rents, which is where the theatres are, because the theatres are hundreds of years old in Britain, generally. Obviously, there are a few new ones. They tend to be in good positions that have been there for hundreds of years. Those buildings are expensive. Those locations are central. Italian restaurants are good businesses to put there because of the relatively high profit margins compared to other cuisines. So that's one thing. Mm. The other thing I would say is that also, because the buildings are old, the locations are old generally, um, it means that people have been going to the theatre and then having a meal, two activities that go well together, in that place for perhaps decades. And therefore you have to look at the sort of history of foreign food cuisines coming into Britain. And, you know, before we had curries, before we had sushi, before we had uh american barbecue italian restaurants were the kind of staple thing that was different to a british calf that if you were having a night out going to the theater you might think oh this is exotic linguine
0: oh a candle stuck in a wine bottle exactly
1: and then it becomes habitual doesn't it it's not only that the businesses are there so the businesses continue because the same clients go back and back another thing it could be is that these restaurants build up their theater connections not just because people go there for their pre-theater meal but because actors go there after the show now if you've just done a show It's 10.30 at night. You want comfort food and you don't want to spend too much money. You're not going to have a curry every night, but I could imagine that you go to a relatively inexpensive Italian restaurant every night after the show. That's why it becomes Simon Callow's favourite and then it becomes a theatre joint.
0: What I wonder is whether the process could work the other way round because in Crystal Palace, there is the Italian quarter where within about 30 yards, there's Patp, Pizza at the Palace that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Cross the road from that, there's Lorenzo's. Cross another road, because it's a crossroads, there is both... The Godfather, pizza, and Il Ponte, pizza and other Italian foods. So surely that means a theatre must follow.
1: (laughs) It's only a matter (laughs) of time.
2: Down and lonely, life is so confusing. I need some answers, preferably
1: amusing. Now I find a podcast that will suit... I listen to Helen and Ollie on my
0: half-hour commute. Here's a question from Maria and Lauren who say, We have an ageing rescue dog named Edie who takes Prozac.
1: Great opening sentence. Because I'm there.
0: <laughs> because the grey winters here in Seattle are very long. In truth... <laughs>
1: It, in <laughs> That's truth- so America isn't it oh. The grey winters are long They're long here too But our canines are generally not on drugs In
0: truth they say She has anxiety And she is proof positive of better living through chemistry Edie is a £55 mutt As she ages, she has developed aches and pains in her hips and legs, and other mystery ailments that we have not been able to diagnose without spending thousands of dollars in veterinary x-rays and specialist consults. We would like our dog to be comfortable in her twilight years. Of course. Our veterinarian offered us the choice of Prozac or doggy pain relievers. Apparently her liver cannot handle both. We remember vividly how challenging she was in her pre-Prozac days, and we don't want to relive them. We got to thinking, what about doggy edibles? We live in Seattle, and marijuana is legal. Oh. Some local shops sell marijuana lace treats specifically for dogs. Okay. So, Ollie, answer me this. Would it be madness to introduce to Reefer? To clarify, <laughs> we would only give our dog very small doses of marijuana edibles occasionally to manage her pain. Are we being irresponsible dog owners if we try this?
1: I I actually can't label you as irresponsible wherever I go from this point.
0: You're being very thoughtful, seeming. Mm.
1: You're you're putting more thought into whether or not you should give your dog drugs than most people do before they themselves have a smoke of a joint, aren't you? Good point. You won't be surprised to know that there aren't many scientific studies on this. Uh, Although, actually, I mean...
2: There are more than none.
0: I bet there are some happening right now.
1: Well, this is it. I'm not quite sure why there aren't any, because... This particular scientific report would get well covered by the tabloid news, wouldn't it? And I do think—I mean, Martin, you're the scientist in the room. I think mean, if you—if you represented I'm not
2: a dogweed scientist, no, but
1: if you, if it's you,
0: all the same, if
1: you were in physics, dogweed, whatever. If you were in a struggling university and you were the head of veterinary science, would yeah. you think, "Wow, get some easy headlines, get some funding, give some dogs some weeds"? That's a fun research. Project.
2: Because there's nothing more uh, an academic likes than lots of attention from the Daily Mail.
1: <laughs> Are you being serious? You wouldn't like your study to be widely reported in the tabloids and for people to be talking about it on radio and tv
0: you wouldn't like to work in an office full of stoned dogs
2: <laughs> i think the big problem with this is is dosage isn't it like i mean i don't think people are judging their own dosage but if you're looking at an animal which is much smaller than a person the danger is you, you just get the dog really badly stoned and they don't have a at-, at all a nice time but yeah. i
0: think that's why she's talking about small dosage first i think that's right but she's also a 55 pound dog which is quite a big dog dog,
1: yeah the combination with prozac though let's talk about that Mm, because generally marijuana advocates will tell you oh there's no drug that it's been proven that if you combine marijuana with that drug there's no drug at all that's been proven that the effects are worse
0: have those studies been
1: done well they have Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but just because you can't prove that it like you know causes death or cancer or something Um, Both marijuana and Prozac can cause problems with uh, decision-making skills, motor skills. That's why you feel relaxed when you take them, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're effectively multiplying your dose of a relaxant, even if the two drugs aren't bashing up against each other in a problematic way mentally, you're still not going to want to be operating heavy machinery. Now, for your dog, that might mean catching a bone or walking down the stairs. Or
0: shitting everywhere. They might start shitting everywhere.
1: So think about that.
0: But this seems like palliative care. They're not expecting a cure for Edie. They just want to make her twilight years more comfortable, Mm. which feels like a safer time to experiment than if Edie was, say, four years old and they might be dramatically shortening her life.
1: I understand that you want to offer palliative care and I'm not a dog owner, but I am a cat owner Mm -hmm. and I am a father and I'd want to know that it was the right thing. So until there's the scientific studies say this is good as the veterinary medicine, I wouldn't trust myself to self-medicate.
0: Here's an idea. Seattle, what's that, three-hour drive from Portland? Mm -hmm. I bet that they've been working on marijuana for dogs for years. Someone there. Yeah. Go down and have a chat with them.
2: Take a left turn by the compost chair. Oh,
1: well, with that, I think it's (laughs) only right that we end this episode of Answer Me This.
0: Uh, It's probably for the best. But it's also for the best that there is another one in two weeks' time, so please supply your questions via email, (laughs) phone, or Skype. All of those contact details are on our website AnswerMeThisPodcast.com
1: Where you can also find details about how to uh, download our first 200 episodes and buy our albums and our apps What uh, a
0: lovely thing to do for yourself
1: It is, another lovely thing you can do for yourself is listen to our other work online You can binge listen to both series of The Modern Man, my podcast, Modern Man dot u 20 episodes of that up there, trend, Sex, Culture, that kind of thing yeah. Helen?
0: Yeah, The Illusionist, that still exists
1: uh, theallusionist.org and the Martin. Theallusionist
0: with an A, since you spelt yours out.
1: Yeah, and Martin.
2: Uh, SongbySongPodcast.com. We're on to Tom Waits' fourth album. What is his fourth album? Uh, Small Change, really good record.
1: Now that's Jones. what I call Tom Waits. <laughs> it's my, <laughs> my <four>. favourite. Yeah. <laughs> and if all that wasn't enough for you, uh, remember as well to get your free audiobook, so uh, by, audio book uh, by going this to answer me slash audible. Thank you.
0: God, remember when uh, there wasn't much to listen to apart from this show and uh, the sound of your own breathing?
1: And Tiki Bar TV, you remember that? Oh,
0: that's probably still going. Probably
1: isn't it? is that we used to nudge up against that in the podcast chart.
0: I thought this somewhere. It's video podcast. No,
1: it feels retro.
0: Well, Tiki bars feel kind of retro. They do, but they always did. Okay, yeah. that's the, the anyway.
1: This is a reference for probably only other podcasters.
0: Back
2: in two weeks. Bye. Bye.